Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. On today's show, we give you a preview of the Hornets and Heat coming up tonight. And we answer your questions and debunk the military-industrial NBA trade rumor complex. We're talking more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team Every day. Hey, it's Friday. Welcome into Locked on Hornets. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. What's up, buddy? What's up, buddy? I'm just excited. Up, but it's Friday. It's Friday and it's game day. You that's can't. Right. We you, have. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of game days now. That's that's we're in the season, so game days are, are coming. I know. One one day later in the season, we're going to complain about being tired, and but but us right now, we're we're thinking that those guys are idiots. <laughs> So, that would be. It would not be a good sign if we were already complaining. No, I, I am complaining. Just not about that. No, I'm pumped. I'm ready for game night, uh, and then it's a back to back, which is unfortunate for uh, the players because they won't be as rested. Um, but the back half of this uh, back to back will be the Hornets' home opener against the Celtics oh, yeah. on Saturday. So uh, definitely follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets on Snapchat Hive Talk Live. On Instagram, we're going to try to post as many pics and vids and no vines. We're not going to do any vines because mm. R.I.P. Vine. But R.I.P. Vine. We'll try That's to some breaking news about this game, Doug. By the way, I'm not well, let's you about breaking uh, well, news. Hold on, before you can I get my breaking? Uh, you didn't tell me yet. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you didn't tell me yet. Well, breaking I news. wouldn't be breaking if I told you. <laughs> First one of the year. Go ahead. I'm going to be at this game. In the oh. That's it. <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot. Oh. It, was game, uh, it was probably game 27 before I was in there last year. Awesome. So get ready. Get I, ready, Upper Deck. I'm ready. Upper Deck? Cool. Well, we'll see. I might move around. <laughs> All right. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Panthers fans, head over to iTunes after the show and subscribe to the Locked On Panthers podcast with host Steve Reed. NBA fans, make sure you're checking out Locked On NBA with host David Locke. He had Kevin Pelton from ESPN on again in the latest episode, and it is good. So check that out. If you have a question or a comment or you want to sponsor the show, Email us at buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. We're going to get to a couple of listener questions later on in this episode. Excited about that. Uh, if you have questions after this back-to-back or even, yeah, just send, just send them to us over the weekend. We'll get to them on Monday. I, I love reading and answering uh, these listener questions. Okay, yeah. let's preview this a game against the Miami Heat coming up tonight. The Hornets visiting the Heat in Miami, 8 o'clock p.m., the tip time. 
Let's let's send it out to our friend Wes Goldberg, host of Locked On Heat. He has a preview of what's going on in Miami after their opening night. Well, the Heat are coming off an exciting opening night win against the Magic in Orlando. They started off slow, going into halftime down 53 to 50, but responded with a huge third quarter, outscoring the Magic 30 to 16 in the period. The Heat were led by Hassan Whiteside, who had 18 points, 14 rebounds, and four blocks in the game. Whiteside anchored a strong inside attack for the Heat, who finished with 74 points in the paint. But Whiteside wasn't merely chasing numbers. He's embraced his new role as a team leader. Here's head coach Eric Spolstra. He was enjoying uh, the game of competition even when he was on the bench. And, and that's important for, for this team. But we need him to, to be great. Um, and he was, he was that in, in the third quarter. Uh, really anchored our defense. Uh, it just... It, it ignited everybody else um, to be a little bit tougher on pick and rolls, to be able to challenge a little bit more, um, knowing that he was back there, um, you know, not only to challenge at the rim but also to rebound. Uh, but I, but I liked it. Uh, you know, he had to battle a little bit of frustration in the first quarter uh, with a couple fouls. Um, I like it when he has to go through those emotions and find a way to, to come back and impact the game, and he really impacts the win. In addition to Whiteside, five other players scored in double figures, including three players off the bench with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh gone. The Heat will have to rely on a balanced offensive effort just like that to score points consistently this season. It's a Heat team that has much turned over since the Hornets last saw them in round one of the playoffs last season. Miami is younger and want to play faster with Goran Dragic leading the attack and athletic guys like Justice Winslow, Deion Waiters, and Tyler Johnson as secondary ball handlers who want to push the pace. The Heat's strength could be its bench. They got 42 points from their reserves on opening night, an area that Charlotte struggled with in its first game. Josh Richardson and Wayne Ellington are out for the game, while Josh McRoberts isn't listed on the injury report for the first time since training camp, though he isn't likely to play key minutes in the game. From Miami, Wes Goldberg, the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks again to Wes Goldberg for that report. Um, So up-tempo, pick-and-roll. And they have a very a very athletic, very young team. They sound like they're a very similar team to Milwaukee in style. Just sub out a crazy athletic player at the three spot in Giannis and insert one in at center, Hassan Whiteside. Right. Yeah, I was going to compare their win actually over Orlando a little bit to Charlotte's, just in the way they played, but. That makes sense, Doug. I mean, did you watch this Orlando Heat game at all? Did you? Did you? Yes, I checked subject in. yourself I, to watching some of that. Well, I I wanted to take advantage of the league pass preview while I could. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. So course. so yes, I did. I did, and and they are. I mean, they they slash. They get to the rim, pick and roll. Uh, Hassan Whiteside. You got to watch him on the putback. I will say this: the Hornets have read the scouting report. They they know what they're getting in Miami. I want to play this real quick, and then we'll get to our analysis. Uh, but here's Marco Bellinelli after practice yesterday. So, I mean, Miami is a good team, you know, young team. Uh, they're going to run, they're going to play a lot of pick and roll. They have a big guy on one side that is really good, you know, so they're going to set screen, they're going to roll, you know, so everybody needs to be ready uh, on defense, especially from the, the corner side, you know, for the outside, you know. Marco, we don't get to hear Marco. much. We don't get to hear much from Marco on this show. So I really, I was excited about playing that. Um but yeah, they've read the scouting report. They they know what's coming, and and now they just have to stop it. And it's interesting, David, because they they do play similarly to uh, to Milwaukee 
And some of the things that they the Hornets did not do well against Milwaukee, they will have to do better against Miami in terms of transition defense and keeping yeah. Miami out of the paint. The Miami Heat scored oh 74 God. points in the paint against Orlando. 74! Yeah, there was... That was, that was what I was going to get to. I mean, you watched that game the other night, and there was your, no resistance. There was no – that's fine. It's a good one. There's no resistance <laughs> whatsoever from Orlando. I mean, literally, they were they were escorting them into the painted area. Uh, Dion Waiters set up shop down there. He was effective for those guys penetrating. But, I mean, there was no effort to stop that uh, dribble drop penetration at all, something the Hornets – I would hope, and and we, you know, you guys would all think that they they would be much better at, and because you know it's Clifford kind of a staple of his game plan. But that was the biggest thing to me. And the other thing you mentioned, you actually stole both my stats, which is cool because we're <laughs> we're bros. But um, the the transition points, right? They, they did give up some to Milwaukee when Giannis got out on the break. I mean, once he gets out in front of you, it's over. But they can't let Winslow and Dragic and the other guys out there get out and run because guess what? Miami didn't shoot the ball well at all from the outside. And they also didn't need to, like I said, they lived in the paint and they got basically wherever they wanted to go. So that's what I'll be looking for um, tonight, Doug. I mean, is there a matchup that you're interested in seeing particularly? Uh, Whiteside versus Hibbert, I think is the, the, the mm-hmm. showdown. Um, I, I think that I, I just want to go back to, to something you said there. I, I think that, it will it will be important to limit what Miami can get easily in terms of offense, and that's yeah. that's why it's so important to keep them out of the paint. And not only that, but keeping Hassan Whiteside from getting putbacks. I went back and looked; he had 18 points in the opening night, and 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 played very efficiently because a lot of his points came on offensive rebound putback dunks. So it's not huh. just Roy Hibbert blocking him out. It really because. You know, he takes advantage of chaos. It's not necessarily these clean uh, rebounds that he's getting and then putting it back. No, it's balls that bounce around, and he's just big and long and athletic, and he can just get the I mean, ball. Like Hibbert, right? Right, exactly. And then he just throws it down. So it, you have to have everyone has to be aware of where he is on the court, and and try to block him out as a team. Uh, because if you don't, you're just giving them free points where. Every other part of their offense struggles to score, so don't give them mm-hmm. don't give them the easy ones. Uh, okay, but, so can I can I ask you a follow up on this? You may. Uh, am I crazy to think that Hibbert might be able to occupy just a little more of the space inside with Hibbert? So, like last year, right, the first game against the Heat, I think, at home in Charlotte, the Hornets just kept driving; they just kept going in and in. And and Whiteside was just rejecting everything, and it wasn't until like way late in the game, maybe that they they got the idea in their heads that maybe we can't drive right into Whiteside. Do you see any uh, scenario right where Hibbert can just occupy him a little bit more, or just take up some of that space so he's not so free to roam around in there? Does that make sense? Well, so here's the problem. So normally, what you would want to do is find a way to pull Hassan Whiteside away from the paint. Al Jefferson could do that because he could catch the ball farther away from from the basket and still be a threat to score. He also had a a mid-range jumper that he actually hit uh, pretty well last season. Hibbert, on the other hand, has no offense outside of the paint. So it's going to be tougher for them to do that. Uh, I think you're going to see the Hornets shoot a lot more and you know, I think it would it would be unwise 
to to attack him directly as they as they did in that game that you mentioned. It's funny I was listening to Locked On Heat this morning, and they brought that up. There was there he was like mm-hmm. there there are a couple teams last year that just went at him and went at him and allowed him to get ten block games, and I was like, yeah, that yeah that was a that was the Hornets. Uh, (laughs) so yeah, they, they have to learn that lesson because Hassan Whiteside, you know, when he plays the Charlotte Hornets, he's going to be motivated. He, he loves to find ways to, to re-energize that chip on his shoulder and get motivated. And, uh, the hometown team always does that for him. I think what's going to be important, and they did a great job of this in the playoff series is on the Whiteside pick and rolls. You have to the help side defender has to make contact with Hassan Whiteside on his roll early. And Vucevic did not do a great job of this, letting him get free and close to the basket without ever having making contact right. and give, giving him a free catch. It's over. It's over at that point. You have to whether you're Kimball Walker or whoever is whoever is assigned to help on those pick and rolls has to get physical with him at the free throw line. Stop him there. Then release. Let the uh, his original defender come back over, whether it's Hibbert or whoever, and mm-hmm. and then and then continue to fight on. If he scores, if he scores after that, well, you know. Hat tip and how do you do? Let's go up back to the other end. But you can't mm-hmm. let him score the easy ones. First contact, Star Trek. First contact. Yeah, Great I move. think Hibbert, Hibbert. Hibbert is so big in there, right? He just provides a little more, a uh, little more of, of, of a defense in there than than even Al Jefferson, who you mentioned, could pull him out a little bit. But I think that's a key matchup to watch, Doug. You know, the other one I'm interested in. I want to see. I want to see the Winslow v. MKG. Or listen, the mirrored is, games. That could be interesting. Uh, I, I definitely could see that. Uh, Dion Waiters versus Nick Batum. Uh, I think could mm-hmm. also be interesting to see. I think Nick Batum could have a big game against Dion Waiters. Uh, <laughs> a big shooting game. He did uh, not shoot the ball yeah. well in the first game. I could see Nick Batum hit, knocking down a couple of threes in this game against Dion Waiters. It'd be nice. I think this is one of those games where they could could really use the three point shot. The Hornets, in particular. I mean, you you would guess maybe Miami might shoot better at home. Um, but speaking of that home crowd, I think it'd also be important for Charlotte to get out to another good start. We talk about this like every time they go down to Miami. You know, I don't think the place is going to be full for a Friday night game with the Hornets in town. Uh, certainly not in the first quarter. So there'll be a little chance for them to jump on the heat, maybe, and get a little cushion. But, um, yeah, you'd like, and, and I think, you know, you guys would like to see the Hornets maybe hit a couple of threes early. Right. Cause I mean, it's not like we said last, after the last game, you know, they don't have to, but still they do want to shoot some threes and making them would be nice. Let me give you an injury report. Brian Roberts and Frank Kaminsky still listed as questionable. We're waiting. That was yesterday. We're waiting on today's injury report. Uh, stay tuned to locked on Hornets on Twitter for that. On the Miami side, oh, I will say I, I do. I've got some a little bit of insider information uh, that Frank Kaminsky uh, could very well play in this game. That we were thinking, mm. we were thinking it could be a week, but now it looks like Frank Kaminsky could be ready to go for this game. I would not be surprised if he makes it out there, and then we get the interesting possible matchup. If Miami goes super small, we could get another Kaminsky versus Winslow 
matchup. Oh God! To decide, the to decide it all. Um, <laughs> the, decide it all until next time. On the Miami Heat side, Josh Richardson still dealing with uh, that knee injury. He, he's uh, out until early November, and then Wayne Ellington, one of their few outside shooting threats, is also out Easy. in this game. Uh, Drano uh, quad injury for Wayne. Okay, let's get to some of these listener questions. I've really been wanting to do this, so this is exciting. Uh, first question comes from Mitchell. I know going super small ball is all the rage in the league right now, but we don't really have a roster that allows us to do that. However, I think we may be able to counter by going in the extreme opposite direction. We have four legit seven-footers on the team. Once they're all healthy, and I feel like throwing out a lineup with three of them in Roy Hibbert, Cody Zeller, and Frank Kaminsky could have some strong results. They'd be able to destroy the boards. Zeller's quick enough to at least do a not terrible job guarding small forwards. And Zeller and Frank's ability to stretch the floor on offense would keep everything pretty clean and open. Does this idea seem reasonable to you? And if it does, could it get any play once everyone's back to 100%? Well, thanks for the question, Mitchell. David, how about this uh, equivalent of a jumbo package for the Charlotte Hornets? Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, my concern is just the quickness with being able to guard, especially that three spot, Doug. I mean, who out there of those guys is going to be able to stay with uh, Justice Winslow or someone like that? Yeah, I think that's the big thing, and and um, I think he's giving he's giving Zeller a lot of credit there about not yeah. not doing a not terrible job guarding small forwards. I think if teams are get are trending smaller and quicker. Uh, I, I think Zeller would have a tough time, and we know that Zeller has gotten bigger and stronger. And while you do the best you can to limit what that does to your quickness, it's just natural when you get bigger and stronger. You know, you've got you've got a little bit more weight to to pull around. So yeah, I I think he's quick, but not quick enough to guard some of the uh, some of the small forwards in in, in the NBA. So uh, yeah, I think it would be tough. You're going to get beaten transition. That's the biggest thing. You're oh. going to give up so many easy points uh, in transition. Yeah. You're not going to have an opportunity. You're, you're not going to have an opportunity to rebound because th- yeah. they're just going to be scoring too many easy buckets. Uh, you're going to see two, though, right? I mean, at times. I, oh, I think yeah. Two of those guys. Are, yeah, oh, well, right? that's, so, well, that's, I mean, that's the, a little taste. Yeah, that's the benefit that they have. <clears throat> and I'll say this, too. I just I don't know how much of a of an ex, uh, how experimental Steve Clifford is. You know, I just feel like he's he, he understands what what modern winning basketball is. But at the same time, he's he says it over and over. Five best guys on the floor. You know, so I mean, I, I just don't feel like he's, um, you know, trying to do basketball chemistry or basketball calculus uh, necessarily with with experimenting with lineups. So, uh, but a great question and always good to think about. I love it. I love it. Next question comes from Dwayne. Dwayne wants to know uh, when he returns, should Frank Kaminsky start over Marvin Williams? If he does, we should have, we could have Cody and Marvin coming off the bench which would give us more offensive punch in the second unit. Thanks for the question, Dwayne. David, this uh, starting Frank pushing Marvin to the second unit to to help them out a little bit, what do you think? So this one's interesting, Doug, because it assumes that uh, Cody would remain in the second unit, right? Yes, which, which we've discussed is is, is not, currently taking place, but was currently taking place, but not. No, you're, not you're not giving up. On I'm it. not, not sold on that this is a done deal for Hibbert yet. Right. Okay. So that's part one, but that's not really Dwayne's question. 
Uh, Dwayne's question is Frank over Marvin. And here's why I don't think that will happen, Dwayne. Marvin is like the quarterback on defense out there for this starting unit and really for this whole team, right? You've heard Frank talk about how much he wants to learn from Marvin. And that is the guy that Clifford wants to have in there communicating, talking, and running the show on defense, you know, from a leadership standpoint, even though you got MKG out there. And and Marvin is also a little more versatile, I think, in guarding some of those other guys. I mean, that would be my take, Doug. I don't think he wants to lose the Marvin Williams presence in that starting lineup. I don't think he does either, but I will say this. I think if the second – because, okay, what we saw in game one – uh, Clifford was forced to stagger his starters a lot more than than I'm used to seeing because of the way that Milwaukee subbed and the starters got a ton of run uh, uh, in game one. Uh, so we didn't really get a chance to see the full second unit out there for a long time. But when we do, and if they continue, if they struggle mightily, as we saw at different portions in the uh, preseason to both score and uh, to both score and defend, then I think Marvin could be uh, uh, very well an option uh, to help out this second unit. And uh, but I will say this: having Cody Zeller back helps a lot of those issues. I think so. If, if Cody Zeller uh, continues uh, his upward trend in terms of his health, and and he can give you, I mean, if he can give you fifteen, seventeen off the bench <laughs> like he did in game one, then you yeah. have a lot less problems on the second unit, and you don't need Marvin. And then uh, you know you have Frank in that second unit to to uh, further you know extend the defense. So yeah, I think it's a nice I think eventually it will happen. I'll say that. I think eventually mm. you know later on into this contract we'll you see, I think later on in this contract eventually Marvin moves to a bench role. And yeah, we'll see. And some of that's up to Frank, I think. Well, you know what I mean? Well, uh, I mean Marvin was such a, a big lot piece, can happen so in we'll a couple see. of years, but I'm just saying I think eventually Oh God. All right. Next well, question Marvin can't play forever. <laughs> or can he alright next or question coming from Johnny Johnny wants to know after last night one game revised updated season prediction David what's your prediction yeah after that uh, win the other night I'm going 82 and up I mean it's a strong stand we're going to the Super I, I think Bowl it's, it's still in play it's still in play no one can argue that that's numbers that's, that's just numbers it can happen no I, I think no. I, in all seriousness I, I, I again, Milwaukee did not play very well other than Giannis. I mean, Giannis kind of kept the, their head above water in that game. Not uh, the best barometer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they had yeah. some great they had some great performances. I'm not taking anything away from what Charlotte did. But at the same time, as we uh, profiled in yesterday's episode, Miami and Boston are going to present some different things for Roy Hibbert. And 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 his performance, and and then you you look at Cody and go, man, that came out of nowhere after zero minutes in the preseason. Can that hold up? Um, you know. But then you also counter that with, well, Nick Batum didn't shoot well. If Nick Batum's really the whole team did not shoot as well from the three point line as you would have thought, other than some big ones late. So you know, if that trends up, maybe it's a, a different outcome as well. A lot of question marks is what I'm saying. I'm not ready to really adjust my uh, prediction, which is. What I said, uh, mine was down to 43, 44 wins and a six to eight seed. I'm still, I'm still okay with that for now. Yeah, I will say, Johnny, though, I do certainly feel better uh, about the Hornets and their out their, their chances for this season. But like, yeah, it's one game, and Milwaukee is Milwaukee, 
And so we'll know a little bit more, you know, once we get a few games in, but certainly from first impression and given how well they look together in the first game, I do feel better about it. Um, but as it stands, I don't make predictions anyway. So, um, yeah, I'm sticking with mine. Here, here's my prediction. The Hornets are looking good. All right, that's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. Right now. Okay. Uh, final question from Ed on Twitter. Ed asks, or writes rather, just saw a serious rumor of Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Spencer Hawes, and a draft pick going to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for Brooke Lopez. Surely not. <laughs> Surely not, guys, right? Uh, Ed, you're you're dead on. Surely not. Um, this Surely is, not. This is not a this is not a serious rumor. Okay, I have to address. That. By the way, thank you for the question, Ed, and thank you to everyone yeah. for the question. Send those whenever you have them um, uh, to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com or on Twitter at lockedonhornets, and we'll we'll answer them next week. But I have to I have to talk about this. This is this is a pet peeve of mine. The the rumors. Uh, that gets spread, and it's not Ed's fault. Everybody um, sort of picks up on these things because they they weed weed themselves into to social media. So here's how this happens. I'm going to break this down for you. So there's a website on the internet. I don't know if you've heard of it. The internet. Um, Cyberspace set free. Hello, virtual reality. Right. So uh, on the internet, there's a website, NBA-trade-rumors.com. David, I like it. It's a forum board where people go on this forum board and they suggest trade ideas and then people comment and say, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. I like that deal for the Hornets or I like blah, blah, blah. So someone goes on there and suggests this deal, MKG Hawes and a pick for Brooke Lopez. Then another less reputable website that just wants it is in it for the clicks and has really great SEO comes along, picks up this rumor not I'm sorry, not a rumor, a suggestion on a forum board, links it on their website, and, and then uh, categorizes that as a rumor. And so that proliferates itself, and I'm talking about Yabata, I'm talking about ecumenical news, whatever that is, HNGN.com, whatever the hell that is. And then oh, they all oh. call these rumors, and then because... Of the, the the Google SEO bots, listen, I know these are technical terms. I know about the internet, guys. Wow. S- series, of, right. series of tubes. And um, these get picked up by uh, social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, uh, because the, it started as this stupid forum board suggestion that, that means nothing. It, it has no basis in reality or fact. And, and I don't know why it's making me so upset. Because I don't, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't mind, really fl- I don't mind swatting, level. I don't mind swatting flies. I just don't understand why the flies have to bother me while I'm eating lunch. And it's, it's these, it's these forum board suggestions. It's, it's really not even their fault. It's just the other websites that, that just want you to click. And so they put MKG Hawes in a pick for, uh, Brooke Lopez. Just, uh, I, I just can't wait. I can't. I can't wait me. to visit this site. I can't wait to visit this site and and pull pull rumors and then also start someone and then see which ones get back to you. Which ones Listen, I'm sure. You. I'm sure it's a ludicrous business model or lucrative. <laughs> that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> lucrative, <laughs> lucrative business model. Picking up uh, it's NBA suggestions on trades and turning them into into articles. Just, I'm sure they're just swimming in money like Scrooge McDuck in a tower full of so, gold coins. 
yeah, just to recap, send all of those trade rumors right to Doug. If we could give out your personal email, Doug, that would just really speed things along. Yeah, I need money for I need money for betdsi.com so I can <laughs> I can turn that into even more money. All right, that's all. Send your questions. I, I love these questions. These are great. Any any question that gives me a chance to to tear down uh the, the walls of these of these weird uh trade rumors that aren't really rumors, uh, just send those. Buzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com or at LockedOnHornets on Twitter. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again next week with uh, five new shows and our live show on YouTube and Facebook. So uh, stay tuned for that. We've got a big show coming up. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Napa know how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17